Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I kind of look at I mean, business as a sport. I mean, this is fun. Like the numbers are a sport. Like it's much like athletics. If you went to a ball game and the scoreboard stopped working, you would literally see people go to their cars because we are such a number driven society. And that's what this just gets. It, it feeds everyone some energy and, and business does that for me. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Robert Hartline. Robert is the CEO of CallProof. This is a company that helps improve the sales performance of field sales teams. He's an experienced entrepreneur that grew his company from $10 million to $100 million in revenue in just three years. He's also a serial entrepreneur who has built several multi-million dollar businesses. Robert is big on measuring things and believes that businesses should pay more attention to what their data is telling them. In this episode, we talk about the importance of analyzing your company's data, why business is like a sport, how to find the most effective sales strategies for your business, and the benefits of selling with intent and clear vision. Robert has a wealth of knowledge to share. I know you're going to get a lot out of this episode, so let's start the show. Hey, Robert, thanks so much for being a guest on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Tyler, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're in the snow. Well, not physically in the snow, but you have snow in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm, of course, in San Jose, California, where I've got kind of nice weather, no snow. So (laughs) are you managing to stay warm, I guess, would be my first question. Oh, yeah, yeah. This morning, I had gotten stranded. I have a lake house in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And I went there to do some work. And then it just snowed yesterday, like insane. I was trapped. Wow. But uh, back at home, I, I wanted to do this podcast at my house. So I have a better setup here. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing that. Yeah. I, fortunately we don't get snow. If I had snow, I'm not going out to fix anything. I'm just staying, uh, I'm staying with my dogs on the couch and my wife, I think. Uh, so anyway, um, Hey, tell us what you do now. I'd love to kind of hear your story and what you're doing. Yeah. So years and years ago, I was leading a outside sales team with my wireless company and I was struggling with, uh, salespeople that I'd hire them spend months and months training them. They leave the office every day and then no sales. (laughs) It was super frustrating. So 
I built an app for outside salespeople that tracks calls, face-to-face visits, emails back and forth from clients where they are on a map. And we make it easy for salespeople to document the daily sales activities they should be doing every single day. And that's what I built about 10 years ago. And that's what I do today. Wow. I definitely want to talk about that. That's definitely on every business owner's mind is as part of their scaling process. How do I bring on a sales team? How do I make sure they're efficient? So that's going to be a great topic. Before we go there, I'd love to get into you sold your business. And I imagine along that journey, your previous business, along that journey of scaling, you you probably hit some pitfalls. What were some challenges that you had in terms of just scaling your business to get to the point of sale? Does anything stand out? Well, my first business was a wireless business. I started that in 98. And uh, it was a chain of retail stores. I had 68 at our peak. Wow. Scaling uh, from that perspective was a challenge with the with our partner, mm-hmm. because they were the ones who said, oh, I can go here or I can go there. And so they would have different, it's very difficult to scale. But I am an EO, entrepreneur organization. And uh, a few years ago, well, in 2016, I got real engaged into the business after watching a, a speaker. His name is Jack Daly. I don't know if you ever heard of Jack Daly. Yeah, Jack Daly. Yeah. And uh, he's got a book called Hyper Sales Growth. I have it somewhere. And honestly, that inspired me to like, you know, really get engaged with not being the VP of sales and really getting out of that model because Tyler, you know this as well as I do, is it's very difficult to be owner mm-hmm. and then also sales manager. Yeah. And you know, employees, especially salespeople, you know, you don't manage salespeople. You just don't because they're not the types of people you really manage, right? But you do manage their energy and you manage their energy through your energy. And so if I'm worried about payroll, right? And I'm doing a sales meeting, how effective can I be with a mindset of scarcity, right? Right. And so once I really learned to get someone to handle the VP of sales so I could focus on the the visionary piece of the business, that made scaling a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. You know, I uh, managed a sales team for the first time in my career, and it was a nightmare. I, by nature, am more on the accounting side of things, financial side of things. And you can imagine that was a disaster in you know, how, how typically a, a numbers person thinks mm. relative to how salespeople think. So it took yeah. me a good five years of reframing my own mind and kind of being able to connect with them and understanding how to interact so that I don't suck their energy out of being positive and productive. And then to your point, eventually you have to bring someone else in because otherwise you just get too stuck and you're you're worrying about payroll or you're worrying about your next big account. And uh, that just takes the energy out of helping them produce. That That's interesting. Absolutely. You know, I do want to talk about, so you ultimately sold your business. And I know one of the things that you learned from it was you probably didn't get the peak value from the sale of business that you could have. Could you tell us the story behind that? Well, so 2020 was not a fun year <laughs> for anyone, yeah. but it was especially not fun in our business. There was a merger between two wireless companies. You could Google it. I won't use their work, their names, sure. but uh, you know, we had a 22-year uh, journey with a very great wireless partner that was acquired by another group, right? And so imagine all those relationships just immediately evaporate. And 
little did I know that the company that acquired could have cared less about keeping the dealers that they had for decades. Wow. And the merger transpired in August. Our sales immediately dropped 30%. A week in, I'm looking at my numbers, very attached to the numbers. I have a little app on my phone. It shows me anytime when it rings out a transaction, I knew minute to minute how much money we were making. And the weekend, I'm, I'm looking at it and we're trending to lose half a million dollars first month. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I immediately started to go visit my stores. And I realized that the partner that, that we had partnered with had uh, taken over our Google business pages and literally took us off the internet. Oh my gosh. And so when I'd go visit a store, I typically, you know, when you have a lot of different stores, you don't know where they're all out are. So I'd get in my car and I'd say, navigate to, and I didn't exist. And I was, I immediately knew that that was what was killing our traffic or call volume. I tracked everything. I mean, one of the things that I loved about the wireless business is because I had, I could tell you how many people walked in my store, how many calls we had. And I mean, the sheer volume of Intel that, that we had as a retailer was amazing. And um, next month in, I'm like, I'm shaking in my boots now. I've lost half a million. I'm rolling into the next month and I'm losing even, I'm trending to lose, not as bad, but still not an improvement. Someone reaches out and I do a call with them a month or so. We get an agreement. We're all good to go. We have a dollar value that I am not ecstatic about, but I'm okay with, right? You know, it was a very tough year between COVID and lots of transitioning, you know? And so I was just about done. And, you know, I will add one of the things I did notice or recognize that happened with our organization is we, because of COVID, we, our corporate headquarters, we all dispersed and we lost a ton of good collaborative teamwork bonding experience that happens in a corporate environment. We had a very well-oiled machine. And when they, when we separated everybody, working remote, it made just the logistics almost nearly impossible. It, it was like the complete culture just evaporated. Mm. Everyone was stressed. They're dealing with their kids. Anyway, we agree on a price, assign the documents. A week later, my our partner, the wireless carrier, uh, gave us notice that they were going to close at additional eight locations, which reduced our value. Wow. And so overnight, you know, I lost $4 million dollars. Wow. It's something out of completely out of our control. And then the lesson I, I was going through so much utter chaos. I was just so ready for it to be over. And I just couldn't keep, I just couldn't keep up. And um, the buyer came to me and was like, oh, and by the way, will you do owner financing? <laughs> and I'm like, I was, you know, and you know, I agreed to it. You know, I agree, I made concessions because I was negotiating from a place of very big weakness. It was just a, it was a shit show. And I was slurping on that shit milkshake because it was just no fun. Wow. And it's so emotional anyway, selling your business, but then you feeling you're vulnerable. You're not in a power position. I could only imagine all the emotions and you just get to a point where you're just so exhausted. You're agreeing to things that, you know, you probably wouldn't normally in a different situation, but you just don't have a choice. You just want out at that point. Yes. Yes. It's tough. I had similar things when I went through one of my business sales. It, it's exhausting. You know, one thing that I'm fascinated by you about, you don't see this in business owners often, 
you're really big on measuring things. Like you're aware of your data. And this is one thing that I see a lot within my own client base when they first come on. The typical business owner doesn't really look, they don't know their numbers. They don't know their data. They're not measuring people. When you bring these up, it's like you're bringing up some magical thing that they didn't know existed. I had a client recently that came to me and 75% of our billable staff were losing her money. They weren't even billing more than she was paying them. And I know it sounds weird, but this is somewhat common for a lot of business owners. They don't connect these dots in that way. How are, why are you that way? Like, have you always been this way or is it something? Well, I, I think I think the industry programmed me that way. Because, okay. you know, we would get an email with all of the my, my friendly competitors that did the same thing in different markets of the country. I would see their store performance by location. Mm. And when you see your competitors in an email spreadsheet, store performance door to door, I would see a name on that list, ABC Wireless, like, what the hell are you doing to crush it? We give them a call. Got it. We get on the call with, with other owners and share intel. And you know, one of the things I tell people a lot about, about metrics, there is, I don't know, if you're in heating and air, you need to be buddies with another heating and air company in another state, and you need to have the metrics on a scorecard with both organizations or four or five guys. Get a mentor group together, share the data once a month, put it on a spreadsheet. Just the act of putting your data on a spreadsheet is going to make every number improve just by putting it on a spreadsheet. Right. Because it's the awareness of something that is either busted or has an opportunity to improve. And when you can put people in your mastermind group on a spreadsheet together, you're going to start seeing patterns and opportunities for you to make changes. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Plus, it creates the natural competitive. I'm sure there's a certain element of competition that plays into place. You don't want to be a store that's, you know, or an organization that's not performing up to the rest of the group in the same industry. So I'm sure that, that plays a part too. So what did you learn? Is there anything you learned from that sale going back to that? Could you have done anything different or was it more of just a victim of circumstance, bad timing? Or if you had to do it all over again, would there be something you would have done different? I think I would have had someone else playing the negotiating piece. Yeah. So, someone like a coach. Yeah. Because the the person that uh, that bought us, I mean, you would have thought he's my best friend during the during the buying process, right? Is he my best friend? Hell no. You know? And it would have been better suited for all people, everybody involved, to have another person that did the negotiating as in and probably willing to say no when I was willing to say yes, just out of exhaustion. Yep, yep. And that's great advice. We made our own mistake in the second business I sold. We had a broker, didn't really care for him. Uh, he was supposed to be our intermediary. And we ended up doing our own negotiation. And I'll tell you, to your point, I look back on it and you know, I try to never have the mindset of you leave money on the table. But I think we left a couple points in EBITDA is how you value how they value your, your ultimately what they're going to pay you for it. We could have done a little better probably if we weren't emotionally attached and if we weren't kind of worn out from the process. You're constantly on this kind of tightrope of, is this going to kill the deal? Is this going to, you know, at least we were, I can say, you know, our commission structures were dramatically different. We paid substantially more than our acquirer. And we were like, okay, are they going to be able to, you know, how are they going to integrate that within their organization? They don't pay that much. So you got all these weird things yeah. that, that you feel like any at any time, you know, big dollars can disappear. So it's interesting. Hey, you had another thing that is a common thing that happens to owners. You know, we oftentimes are tight knit and we don't know 
our, our team is tight knit or our group of company people work for us are tight knit. So we tend to not really maintain, look at controls, internal controls, separation of duties, things that might reduce fraud. And I know you had a fraud situation happen. Can you share with us that story and, and maybe what you learned from it and what we can learn from it? Yeah. I mean, I, I had, uh, when I decided to really scale the business, start making some of my own acquisitions, we bought a, a chain of 26 stores out of Atlanta, Alabama. Wow. And uh, it, it came with about 105 people. And it was the same month that I had made a decision that I was going to take my family and move to Costa Rica. And I go to Costa Rica. We, we close on the sale. We're making the acquisition. I'm going to run the show from Costa Rica. That very weekend, we had a uh, robbery in the middle of the night at one of our locations in Atlanta that hit us for about 70 grand in inventory. Wow. The very next day, another store in Atlanta, same exact thing, got another 70 grand with inventory. And um, I realized within a week that the people that we had brought on, you know, the company was trying to sell, they were unprofitable. And they were letting, they were basically letting the team do whatever they wanted to do. And so they had no controls. They had no, they had no systems. And not only was I getting hit with armed robbery, I mean, robberies in the middle of the night, but uh, I had employees that were conspiring against professional organized crime syndicates that were, they would come to a store and say, hey, uh, they'd stand out inside of the store and they would see an employee walk out and they'd go, hey, would you like to make 500 bucks? And they'd be like, yeah, well, I'm going to come in here and give you this ID. It's fake. And, and uh, you let me buy these phones. And that was happening rampant. That year, I bought, the, uh, that, I bought those 26 locations. We lost a million dollars in straight up fraud. Just, and, it, and it looked like employee fraud, a lot of customer fraud. So I built a call center in Costa Rica where we had people watching cameras all day. And I had to build a complete loss prevention department. Uh, but I will tell you, that whole experience, what I got the most value out of and where I think your audience will get some value out of, I did a thing when I brought a new hire on, I talked about our core values. We had six core values and it would stand for I care, okay? Integrity, care about the customer, adaptability, accountability, respect, and excite. But the first one's called integrity. And what I would tell people, I would say, you're going to have someone that's going to reach out on social media that wants you to commit fraud, or they're going to visit you outside the store. And Tyler, what you don't recognize is that person is either my private investigator that's testing you, (laughs) or it's a real fraudster. And I will put you away in handcuffs because these phones are very expensive. I believe that simple conversation with every new hire eliminated my fraud problem. I think we had a great loss prevention department that that's saved us a lot of money, caught a lot of bad actors, but the setting the expectation with that new hire made the most impact. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. 
Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. I think we had a great loss prevention department that, that saved us a lot of money, caught a lot of bad actors. But the setting the expectation with that new hire made the most impact. Yeah. It's funny. It's back to that. You use the word awareness early on. It's bringing awareness to your new employees that, hey, we know about this. We know it's going to happen. Why play the odds that you're going to have walk away in handcuffs one day? That expectation and awareness of it. That's really cool. That's a good way. And so that is a good learning lesson because fraud shows up so much within the business world. Retail in particular, it's a little bit easier. But there is white collar crime too within within companies where you know access to bank accounts or whatever. So good learning lesson. You have so many. Uh, how did you learn your your business knowledge is really good? Like, you know, you talk about core values. You you seem like you have a never say die kind of attitude in terms of, you know, some people might have lost a million dollars in, in theft and and people, you know, organize crime and stuff like that and want to close up shop. Seems like you have this resolve. Is that something inherited in you? Is that something you've developed a muscle? Well, I kind of look at I mean, business as a sport. Yeah. I mean, this is fun. Like the numbers are a sport, like, you know. It's much like athletics. If you went to a ball game and the scoreboard stopped working, you would literally see people go to their cars because we are such a number-driven society. And that's what this just gets. It feeds everyone some energy and and business does that for me. And uh, we self-implemented EOS. Yeah, love that. stands for uh, Entrepreneur Operating System. And um, I will tell you, of all the, the things that we did good at, I think our best was the, uh, a, the recognition of how important those core values were. And it was always part of the conversation. If I go visit a store, what's eye care mean? And I'd have them recite it to me because it was such a big piece of the puzzle because all of it had a, it had a reason for existing. And um, I needed every employee to understand how important that, that philosophy was. Yeah. 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 Core values, you know, they get glossed over a lot, but if you implement them and you bring awareness to them, it really does open up gates in terms of what what's expected of people in terms of their behavior when they have to make decisions. Sometimes there isn't a manual that says exactly what to do. Hopefully those core values are kicking in in terms of how they treat customers or coworkers or whatever. So that's really cool. You know, I want to talk about sales in what you're doing now in terms of your app. This is a constant theme, more sales, effectiveness out of your sales staff. Kind of talk to me about that problem that, that you've noticed and then what this app does that you have that tries to solve the problem. Yeah, so there are a lot of different strategies to grow your business. You, know, you got Facebook, you got LinkedIn and online marketing and drip emails. And there's a thousand different ways to kind of acquire a customer. It's true. You know the one that works the best? If you're selling to a business, is going over to the business and pulling open the door and walking in and handing them a flyer or business card. Hey, I noticed you guys sell uh, whiz-bang units. We have this new tool that makes these whiz-bang units sell a lot faster. I'd like a few minutes to talk about it. Like going in and talking to strangers works. <laughs> it absolutely works. So we, our app has 26 million businesses preloaded. You take the phone. You click a button and it shows you all the insurance agents in the neighborhood. So let's say you're selling auto glass 
and you're wanting referrals to sell auto glass. And that's typically the best way to get those referrals is through an insurance broker or an agent. We click one little button that says agents. He takes a little lasso tool, circles, 25 businesses, hit route. And it tells you which ones to go first. And they go to each one, click a button, the check-in. It sucks all the data in. So that follow-up call can happen, that email call. So we make it easy to track those visits. And that's what the app does. And so we help B2B organizations with field salespeople see more people. Got it. Is there a certain industry that this works best with? Or, I mean, you use the, the example of agents and it's, it's obviously low. It sounds like local businesses mostly. Is there any certain industries that it would be most beneficial to? Well, anybody that sells to a business. Okay. And what we do very well with our system is identifying who your target audience is and making sure that your team is in the faces and awareness to those prospects. And it's best done through a face-to-face visit. So they walk in, they keep up with it. We work through a process every quarter, making sure that we're growing market share. And we look at our, our sales. We look at the opportunities that the salespeople are loaded into the system. And we change territories. You know, If you've been calling on this guy for the last couple of years, you're not getting a new, new action, we're going to reassign that to, a, to another sales rep. And so sales organizations typically, our biggest competitor, I'll be honest with you, is, is a Google spreadsheet. Really? It's not Salesforce. It's not you know, all these other whiz-bang online products. It's, it's a spreadsheet that they're, they're doing a very terrible job. And uh, you know this as well as I did. I do that if you hire someone, you could spend months and months training them. And then when they get to the field and you don't get a lot of sales, you're like, what the hell? What the heck is going on, right? Who are you visiting with? You know, our app, it's fun to sell our app because I'll sit on a deployment and the owner is looking at and watching me perform the training with the team and going, holy cow, I can scale my business now because I know they're actually doing the work. Right, right. And, you know, if I deploy 10 people in an organization that's struggling, I guarantee you within two weeks, I'm going to lose two people in that team. They weren't even working, but nobody knew, you know. And they usually self-select themselves out of the business, which is a great thing for the owner because now he's like, now he opens up that spot for a person that will do the work. Well, plus I'll take the two weeks over nine, you know, 90 days or six months or whatever, however long it takes you to figure out that, you know, all those stories of it's coming around the corner, the next sale or whatever really wasn't going to happen. You saved no. all that time. And that that's the key is you can put a slide in a slot of someone and try again and see if the next person is going to actually follow through in a shorter amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds like a really cool tool. What's your client base like? Do you, is this something that you're, so it sounds like you have 26 million businesses, you said, are you just constantly updating that database? Yeah. So we have a relationship with a partner that updates all these businesses and they're wow. sorted by volume, sales volume, or sorted by industry type, location. And, uh, you know, most clients come to us with an existing prospect list, but it's often a lot smaller than the actual prospect list, you know, because a lot of people don't spend enough time with the salesperson to identify who to sell. They'll spend the energy teaching them how to sell but not who to sell to. And if you leave it to the creativity of the reps, you're going to fail. You know, most salespeople are driving their car and they're like, okay, let's say I'm selling to insurance agent. Oh, there's a state farm. He goes over to state farm. 
Little does he know that behind that building on the second floor is five of the other agents that he could be seeing. He just can't see them. They don't have big signs on the road, right? But most salespeople do business that way. They're just driving randomly. And when you do it with intent, you build a route. What we can see, what we can show for our clients, so they're going to see 30% more prospects in a day by just being a little bit more plan-oriented about who they go see. Sounds like a cool product. Now, who's your ideal client that you're selling into? Is it is it a small business owner? Is it a larger organization with many salespeople? So generally, it's it's a team with sales uh, with a sales manager with a team. Okay. Right. Now we help lots of people. It could be a a guy that sells signs. He's got one sign guy. Right. I can add a lot of value for someone like that. Right. We can create event forms specifically for that sign guy to take a picture of a crappy sign. Right, go pop in, take a picture of crappy sign. I see your sign. It needs some updating. It needs new lights. Whatever. I love an opportunity to give you a quote. You can fill out a quote form on the app and submit it. But really, anybody that's selling B two B, we don't work with accounts that are selling to B two C. You know, consumer isn't our customer. It's it's the business guy that's that has to build that relationship face to face. Yeah, that's really cool. Sounds like a cool product. Hey, I've got one last question I'd love to ask you. Um, Usually end the show this way. Do you have any type of business or life tip that you could share with us that we could apply and either make our life or business better? Uh, For me, I I would say is find something you're good at being consistent with and sticking to some consistency. You know, I have a regular habit of working out at 5 a.m. and waking up at 5 and doing a workout at 5.30. One of the things that I did I'm doing currently is I'm mimicking the 75 hard program with selling and running my business. And I'm actively using the same principles I did to scale my other business uh, with this business. This is a, this is a 10 year old business that I kind of built it and put it on the shelf. And I had a sales team, they were selling it and running and managing it, but I wasn't highly involved with it. And now that I'm involved with, I'm like, this company needs EOS. This company needs core values. This company needs to make sure we have accountability for these types of projects that we do. And so 75 hard, if you've ever heard of the program, it's a, it's an exercise program. We do workout two, two times a day, one time outside, drink a gallon of water, read a book, don't drink, follow a diet, read 10 pages, and take a picture every single day. And if you miss one of those things, it resets itself. So 75 days of that is hard. <laughs> it's super hard. But imagine if you had the same kind of tenacity over, I'm going to sell for one hour a day, five days a week, I'm never relenting, right? You will get a tremendous amount of value by having that relenting tenacity on doing certain things. Yeah, that consistency. When you did 75 hard, did you have to reset it all or did you do it all the way through? Let me, I'll be completely honest. (laughs) I did everything. Uh-huh. I did every single thing. I missed one day of taking a picture. Okay. I, I was like, hell, I am not yeah. restarting this. What's crazy, the first day I did uh, 75 hard, I'm running on a beach in, in Mexico, and I found a giant thing of weed in the <laughs> ocean. And for whatever reason, I was like, man, there's a sign that I got to do the 75 hard. I mean, I'm just finding this stuff on this 
in the ocean. But that was a fun experience. See, when you said 75 hard, I didn't have this image of you being on the beach running. I had this image of all that snow out in front of your house. And it's like, I'm not doing, <laughs> I'm not doing the outside. Forget it. I, uh, I'll wait until the weather gets better. Uh, the, the beach, I, it makes it a little bit more palatable. So cool. Hey, it was, it was awesome talking with you. Your website is callproof.com. Callproof.com. People can go there. I think they can do an introductory call with you if, if they think it might be a good fit. Absolutely. I'll put this in the show notes. Is there anywhere else where you'd like people if they wanted to reach out to you to talk to you? You can also follow me on Twitter, Heartline Robert. Heartline Robert. Yep. H-A-R-T-L-I-N-E. Robert. I'll put that in the show notes too. Hey man, it was great having you on the show. I love your story. I think there's a lot more. Maybe you can come back on in the future. Went on the surface of everything. There's a lot of cool stories there. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Okay. Have a great one. Take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Electric acid.